This is Longview Living, the podcast that guides physicians and dentists on a path towards financial security. Welcome to the Longview Living Podcast. My name is Bonnie Catherine Prather, and I am here to tell you about today's episode. Today, we are going to be discussing the taxation of life insurance. And to do this, we are joined by Longview Planning Partners Financial Advisor John Jordan and Brian Hurlbutt. Brian has more than 17 years of experience working at Mass Mutual Life Insurance Company. After his time at Mass Mutual, Brian transitioned to his current role, which is the co-director of the Life Insurance Strategies Division at Axiom Planning Resources. In this position, Brian continues to support the advisors at the firm and work closely with the financial planning department to help educate and implement on rules-based insurance strategies. Brian and John have a great conversation about life insurance and how taxes play into them. And so here's a short message before we begin today's episode. Please note, the information provided in this presentation is for educational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice. Any discussion of taxes is for general information purposes only, does not purport to be complete or cover every situation, and should not be construed as legal tax or accounting advice. Clients should confer with their qualified legal tax and accounting advisors as appropriate. Dividends are not guaranteed. Distributions under the policy, including cash dividends and partial full surrenders, are not subject to taxation up to the amount paid into the policy, the cost of basis. If the policy is a modified endowment contract, policy loans and or distributions are taxable to the extent of gain and are subject to a 10% tax penalty if the policy owner is under 59 and a half. Access to cash values through borrowing or partial surrenders will reduce the policy's cash value and death benefit, increasing the chance the policy will lapse and may result in a tax liability if the policy terminates before the death of the insured. Access to cash values through borrowing or partial surrenders will reduce the policy's cash value and death benefit, increase the chance the policy will lapse and may result in a tax liability if the policy terminates before the death of the insured. Thanks, and here's today's episode. Thank you both so much for being here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Brian, appreciate you being here today. So I get a lot of questions from people about life insurance. Not only how does life insurance work, but how is it taxed? And so we're going to kind of combine those two topics today. And that's what we're going to cover. And so if you want to give kind of an intro to your background some with life insurance and taxation, and then we'll dive in from there. That'd be great. Sure. Thanks so much for having me on today. Um, we have a super exciting topic, taxation of life insurance, right? Um, so just a quick you know, tidbit about myself. I've, I've been in the industry, if you will, for 17 years. Um, I've, I've done things with annuities, variable annuities, investments, uh, disability insurance and life insurance for probably the past decade now. So life insurance has been kind of my primary focus. And, you know, there's lots of different types of life insurance. And, you know, the bottom line is if done right, 
death benefit proceeds from life insurance, regardless of what kind it is, are generally paid out tax-free to a beneficiary. Um, and if done right, you can access the values inside of a permanent policy tax-free as well. So I'm not sure where you want to start, John, or um, if you have some specific questions we want to cover. Or... Yeah, that's well, that's a good lead-in. As you pointed out, there are... I mean, it feels like a thousand different types of life insurance policies that we could talk through. But to keep it fairly simple today, let's cover a couple that I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of or may even have some as well. So let's start with term life insurance. And as you mentioned, you know, normally when people think about term life insurance, they are thinking of what is my death benefit need today and how long will I need that death benefit? And like you mentioned, so a term policy is normally meant just to cover that life insurance need. And so a big question that I have run into is if I have a term life insurance policy and I were to die, how would that death benefit actually get sent to my beneficiaries and would they owe any taxes on that? And so you kind of hinted at that earlier, but just to reiterate, that would be, I think, a good place to start is how that death benefit is taxed, if at all. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, term insurance is by far the most common type of insurance, most common type of life insurance. Um, Very inexpensive generally, right? Big, you know, big death benefits, small premium dollars, if you Um, And the beauty of that is, you know, if you were to die while holding a term policy, that term, that death benefit, the death benefit that you've been paying for, if you die with it in force, that death benefit's going to pass to your beneficiary who's, you know, on record. You've named and designated a beneficiary at some point, either through the application process or maybe you changed it while the policy was in force. That beneficiary is going to receive that lump sum of money tax-free, absolutely tax-free. So there will be no tax bill to pay in most cases uh, from term life insurance. And term life insurance, like I said, most people think about when they hear the word life insurance, that's what most folks think about is term life insurance, inexpensive death benefit, um, which, you know, there there is no cash value buildup or things along those lines. And the reality is, you know, it is there to protect you know, either future income to help support your family if you were to pass away or maybe to help, you know, if you were to pass away and you were a business owner, something along those lines, it may help keep your business afloat or find a buyer for your business and things along those lines. But it truly is inexpensive death benefit, um, you know, and you know, th- that death benefit does pass completely tax free to, to the name beneficiary on file. All it really ends up you know, doing is, you know, an advisor, whoever the advisor is for that case or the company that you did business with, um, they're going to put in a death claim and the paperwork is going to go to the name beneficiary on file. They're going to fill that thing out and the insurance company is going to send a check. As simple yeah. as that. Good. Well, yeah, I know in a time that where something like that were to happen, I know that a tax burden would be kind of the last thing that people want to be thinking about. And so, I'm sure that's good news for some of our listeners. And like you mentioned, term life insurance, it's pretty straightforward in the sense of you pay a premium and it has a death benefit. 
and there's no other necessary necessarily features of that product. And so another product that most of our listeners have probably heard of is whole life insurance. And so there's kind of two factors that I think would be helpful for us to talk through. Number one would be when you're initially setting up that whole life insurance policy, is there anything tax-wise that people need to be aware of? And then number two, we'll talk about as that cash value is growing in a whole life policy, kind of any tax things that people need to be aware of. And so let's start at the first with when I'm initially signing up for that whole life policy, are there any tax considerations that I need to know about? Yeah. So, I mean, just in general, um, and you're, you know, the advisor that helps you build your design or your policy, because there's tons of different options, right? You, you could buy a policy that you could pay into it for 10 years and it's fully paid up after 10 years worth of premiums. You could also have a policy that will take a premium till age 100. So there's lots of different options on the, in the marketplace for permanent life insurance, especially on the whole life side. But, you know, the bottom line is there's what's called MEC testing, Modified Endowment Contract. Super exciting. <laughs> but really what it is, is the internal revenue has a code in there that basically limits the amount of premium that you can put into a life insurance policy relative to the death benefit so that it is still considered life insurance. Mm -hmm. If you put too much in and you break the rules, the actuarial guidelines, and you break the rules in those first seven years because you put too much money in compared to the death benefit, it will lose its tax-favored treatment on distributions, right? So I always like to tell people, you know, I think about, you know, when you think about life insurance, people think about it, honestly, as death insurance, right? Because if you think about it through the lens of term insurance, you know, realistically, the only benefit somebody's going to get is if you die, the owner of it or the insured dies, and the beneficiary is going to get a tax-free lump sum of money. But what do I get as being the insured? Really nothing. I get to pay the premium, but I'm protecting my family or my business, whatever it may be, and it's an inexpensive way to do it. But if I want permanent insurance, which will be, you know, a higher premium because I am building value over time, right? It's the difference of renting versus owning. I look at it as there's living benefits with permanent life insurance, like whole life insurance, because not only are you protecting your family or your business with the tax-free death benefit that could be there, you're also building guaranteed and non-guaranteed cash values inside of your policy over time. And those policy values can be used for pretty much anything you ever could use it for, whether it's emergency liquidity, whether it's to help supplement retirement income, whether it's to, you know, take take distributions or loans against your values to, you know, buy a business, buy a practice, whatever it might be. So many different things you can use the values for inside of permanent life contract. Gotcha. Yeah, that's really helpful. So just to kind of circle back on that, first point is if I'm initially signing up for a whole life policy to get any tax favored growth in my cash value in that policy, I need to make sure that it's not 
kind of that dreaded MEC or modified endowment contract that you mentioned. And then let's assume that we've done that correctly and we have been paying our premiums for several years. And so we've accumulated some cash value in that policy. And let's say that I have an opportunity, whatever it may be, where I want to use some of that cash value within the policy. Let's talk through kind of the different scenarios there. And are there any ways to access that cash value in kind of that tax favored way that we just mentioned? Sure. So I want to just put a quick side note in there, right? Modified endowment contract is a three letter swear word in the life insurance industry. Um, but it really isn't, you know, because you still can have a, a MEC policy, right? You can have a MEC policy, but it still would pay out a tax-free death benefit. So that's just one thing to know. So people sometimes do purposely buy a MEC death benefit whole life contract just so they have the permanent coverage and they're not worried about accessing the values. And they don't care about that tax part of it. They just are using it for the pure legacy to leave a tax-free death benefit. It's okay. But most folks, and most of the time, you are going to want to set your policy up so that it's a non-MEC policy so that you can access those values, if done right, tax-free. So let's assume that it's a non-MEC policy. Okay. Um, you know, and obviously, most of the time, it's, it's you know, you purchase this policy with the intent to, you know, for the death benefit, right, in case something happens. But on the back end, now let's just assume you've been paying premiums for, you know, 20 years, however many years it is. Now you're retired. You've just left the workforce. And you're wondering, how can I, you know, how can I maintain my style of living? How am I going to live off my assets? You know, I've built up these brokerage accounts and these 401ks and all these other assets that we have out there. You can actually utilize whole life insurance and tap into that for multiple different reasons. And there's mul multiple different ways that you can access the values you've built up. So, you know, there's dividends, which are non-guaranteed, right? So mutual owned companies will pay dividends into your whole life policy. Those dividends can be accessed. You can actually do distributions, right? You can actually take your dividends in cash. You have the ability to take partial surrenders, which is permanently taking the, the, the value out of that policy. And you're able to actually take those dollars out all the way up to your cost basis without paying a penny in taxes. So it's one of the few vehicles out there that will allow you in the accounting world, the FIPO method, first in, first out. You mm -hmm. can actually access the dollars you put into it, take them back tax-free. And then once you've done that, assuming again, it's a non-MEC policy, you then can loan against the remaining values inside of your policy still tax-free. So one of the biggest, you know, one of one big selling feature that, you know, whole life insurance has and one of the most commonly used concepts out there is that people do fund it over a period of time and then plan to use it to help supplement their retirement income. And that's when you definitely want a non-MEC policy. That's when you're going to do, you know, surrenders all the way up to your cost basis. And then you're going to loan against the policy. And that's how you can actually have a nice little annual or, you know, monthly check coming your way, totally tax-free. Interesting. Interesting. So it sounds like there are ways to, well, that's nice. So like the FIFO, that's definitely an accounting word. And sounds like 
up to my cost basis, I am able to access that cash value, as you said, tax-free. And then when I get to the part where I want to access any gains that that cash value has had, it sounds like there are options where you could also do that tax-free. And so it sounds like a unique kind of feature of that whole life policy. Yeah, absolutely. And the beauty of it is, you know, if you're purchasing it today, for example, you know, all the things that we're talking about now are not decisions you make today. Mm-hmm. These are decisions you make when it comes time to take money out of your policy if you plan to or need to, whether it's for an emergency or it's for planned retirement income. That's the time where you're going to make the determination of how will we take the money out of this policy? Because there's pros and cons. If you take the surrenders, it's taken out of the policy and can't be put back in. But done right can be totally tax free. If you take it as loans, yes, there's going to be some interest that you're going to pay, but you can actually pay that loan back and be right back on track to where you were without the loan. So again, decisions that you make in the future and at that time, you'll run some enforced illustrations to, to pretty much you know, figure out which is the best option at that time. Gotcha. Well, that's very helpful. Well, you know, a lot of our listeners have student loans, which if you follow the news at all, you know, those things are changing almost weekly, it feels like, and they're always in the news. And I am unaware of any significant changes as it relates to taxation of life insurance products that are kind of on the horizon. Is there anything that, you know, you feel like people should be aware of there before we wrap up? Honestly, I I try to, I pay attention, but I don't live in the taxation world all that much. Um, But every year, year over year with some of the insurance companies that I deal with, um, you know, one of the biggest questions or concerns from the insurance industry is the fact that they could take away that tax-free ability to access the values, right? So, you know, all the all the pros that we were talking about, being able to take up to your basis out tax-free and then loan and still have tax-free dollars, that's always called under attack from the IRS and from, you know, the tax man. Um, you know, but there's lobbyists out there and insurance companies. The biggest thing that, that no one wants to lose that, right? It's one huge feature and benefit of a permanent whole life insurance policy. So, you know, it's always under scrutiny, but so far, so, so far, so good. Nothing has actually changed. It's just something to always keep on the horizon that, you know, someday it could change. And generally speaking, nobody usually goes back and claws back what's already been laid down. They usually change from that point going forward. Gotcha. So it sounds like nothing on the immediate horizon, but something to potentially monitor long term. Yeah. Cool. Well, Brian, I really appreciate your time today. And we hope this was beneficial to our listeners. You know, as we mentioned, there feels like probably a thousand other insurance products that we could discuss and maybe we will on future podcasts. But yeah, I really appreciate your insight into taxation of death benefit, and then the taxation of cash value in whole life policies. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Longview Living Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and benefited from the information we shared. 
Your time and attention on a regular basis are a gift. As always, you can head over to longviewplan.com to sign up to receive our newsletter, as well as check out all the resources on our page. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.